I'm having a great time with the research. We got to work on new problems. Not a lot of people are holding you to deadlines like they used to, so that's been really hard for me. It was an adjustment to become a student again, but I have a feeling that the most challenging parts are yet to come. I've realized that I've learned a lot and grown a lot as a graduate student. You're listening to Vitamin PhD, a podcast from Boston University delivering career narratives and skills know-how to supplement your doctoral studies. Hey everyone, I'm Rachel Stumpf and I am a postdoc at Boston University. And I'm Alexandra Bunnell. I'm the Program Manager for Professional Development and Postdoctoral Affairs at BU. We're co-hosting today's episode of Vitamin PhD, Navigating Team Dynamics. I think one of the things that can be surprising for people pursuing a doctorate is how collaborative the work often is. Sometimes we have this vision of the lone wolf researcher holed up in a library or a lab doing their work. But so many aspects of doctoral work, from writing a co-authored paper to being part of a research group or a lab, involve working on a team. And here with us today to talk about all things teaming is Dr. Paul Hutchinson, a.k.a. Hutch, who is a senior lecturer at the Question School of Business at Boston University. Hutch also earned his Ph.D. at BU in American and New England Studies. His research and teaching focus on teaming and he has led many workshops in a variety of sectors. So I am pleased to welcome Dr. Paul Hutchinson, more commonly known as Hutch, uh, senior lecturer in the Questrom School of Business. Thank you for being here, Hutch. Hey, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So Hutch, I know that your main focus in your research and teaching is leadership and teaming. Mm -hmm. And we'll get a little bit more to that later. Um, but first, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your background and what made you decide to originally get a PhD. Yeah, so um, so my background is actually in adventure-based education. Uh, I, I did my undergrad with the idea of being a, a classroom teacher, and then partway through my undergrad experience, I discovered this whole world of experiential learning and adventure ed. And what I realized is that you could do more in a day on a ropes course or in a cave or a rock face or you know, paddling a river than you could in a semester in a traditional classroom. Um, when you really look at how do you transform students, how do you empower students, um, how do you help them really develop as people. Uh, and I was so blown away by that realization. I was like, as long as my body is gonna allow me to, to stay in the woods, I'm gonna stay in the woods. Um, and so I started working in the field uh, right after graduation um, through, actually was working at the college that I, had, I did my undergrad at, Gettysburg. Um, and what I realized is if I wanted to stay working in higher ed, I needed to get a master's degree. So I went to Minnesota State, Mankato, um, which at the time had the, the most well-regarded experiential education masters and did the degree there and loved it. And then went and started to run an outdoor education program at another school down in Virginia um, and realized that if I was going to really make a go of, of teaching in higher education, I needed a Ph.D., um, and at about that time, my wife wanted to start grad school up uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, and so we moved up, and, and I found a job at BU's uh, Sargent Center for Outdoor Education. Um, and the big thing for me was that if I was working at BU, they would pay for the Ph.D. So I was like, boom, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and it was figuring out what the discipline was that made the most sense. And I actually found the American and New England Studies program. Uh, as being the one that really drew me in and, and as a, a blend of history and literature and art history and really looking at culture and, and humanities and, and 
uh, and that really attracted me and, uh, and is where I started. That's what, what drew me into the whole thing. That's really interesting. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about the pathway that you took from your PhD to where you are today? You know, you're teaching at a business school, which isn't something that yeah. you would naturally see as a specific pathway. Yeah, for all of the aspiring business school professors listening right now, I don't know that an American studies degree is the first choice of what you should be doing. I don't know. And one of the things that I think is really just fantastic about how Questrom is structured is our lecturer faculty are coming out of the practice and you know our, our tenure track faculty are coming out of the research. And so what our students get at Questrom is a combination of both. Um, so they get this really great research-driven agenda and they get this great you know, practical experience and connections and networks. Um, and, and it just blends really well for the student um, to get a really quality experience. And so I was really excited to get brought in for that. Um, you know, and, and so it wasn't as much my research that was driving uh, you know, why I, I came on board at Questrom as much as the practical field experience and what I had been doing, and both with Questrom and, and with the university and other universities around New England at the time. That's awesome. Were there any resources or opportunities that you encountered in your PhD specifically that helped you get to where you are today? Hmm. I, you know, for me, I, I think I got a lot of support from a lot of different people. Um, and, you know, at one point in time when when uh, when I was running, so I, I used to be at Sargent Center, and in 2009, when the economy collapsed, one of the, the casualties of that at BU was that BU pulled out of the Sargent Center for Outdoor Education and outsourced it to a, to another organization, which has done a, a fantastic job keeping it open and keeping kids to going to camp and things like that. Um, but I ended up creating a program called BU Experiential Education, which was an entrepreneurial unit within Metropolitan College at BU. Um, and so because of that, and, and really because of the work I was doing at Sargent, I had the chance to really work with folks all across BU. I think one of the, the challenges that we that all of us have, in, not just at BU, but any large university, is we can get stuck in silos. And, and we know our immediate faculty and other graduate students and the immediate resources, but we miss the broad perspective and opportunities that are here at the university overall. Um, and I was really thankful to be able to transcend a lot of that. So building on your point about uh, the perception of a PhD being sort of this solo mission, I think one thing that can often be surprising to people is that doctoral students spend a lot of time working with others, mm -hmm. whether that's in your lab group or whether it's uh, co-authoring a paper mm -hmm. with other students or with faculty. Um, and, you know, hopefully also making some cross-disciplinary connections as well. And so that idea of, of working on a team is something that may be a, a topic people haven't thought about a lot uh, before coming into their doctoral program. So kind of based on your background um, and experience, what do you see as being the qualities of an effective team? Mm. I, I think the, the first way I would answer that is the, the most important quality of an effective team is shared leadership and, and shared contributions. Um, I, I think sometimes people approach teaming as, all right, I'm, I was put on a good team because the boss told me what to do or because people do what I tell them to do. And that's not really a team. Or, or that, that's a way to structure people and get work done. Um, but when we're really looking at how do we construct new knowledge, uh, which is what academic work is meant to be. Um, and if we're looking at building a, together a team, especially an interdisciplinary team, the recognition that our perspective is limited and, and to know, uh, one of the drawbacks, one of the challenges that we have in doctoral work 
is, uh, of course, you spend your whole time being the world's expert at some really small, narrow window of, of knowledge, but you're the world's expert, right? So then it's really hard to sit and realize these other people have really good perspectives and knowledge that you don't have and need to listen to and learn from. And that's not always an easy shift. I mean, we're trained to do one thing, but then when we're thrown into teams, we're needing, we need to do something else. Um, and there's a lot of humility in that that's important to cultivate. Um, so I think that's the next thing I would say is, is that effective teams are humble in what they're doing. I, I had a professor um, who in graduate school in, in my master's program uh, who used to say that with every great success you have in life, you have to match it equally with humility or you negate it. And, and when I, I think about people who work really well on teams, they recognize the value that every person there has to offer and they're clear about them. I think that the third thing I would say is to be really clear about what your your rules of engagement are. You know, why are why is everyone on the team? Do people know why they're on the team? What are they supposed to contribute? You know, what limits do we have that we recognize? Where um how are we going to interact? You know, just simple rules of the road like we're going to put everything on on Google Drive as opposed to Dropbox or something or <clears throat> you know, let's have a calendar that not just has the deadlines of what has to happen, but like your cousin's wedding that you've got to go to because you're not going to get a lot of work done on that weekend, right? And, and let's acknowledge that. Let's be human, not just, you know, automatons trying to just work. Um, and I think when you've got a group of people <clears throat> that recognize their limitations, embrace the, the, the possibilities of the people around them, and then coordinate that effectively, that's a great team. Um, and it doesn't take rocket science. Um, but it does take humility. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point and something that often we don't always think about in teaming. It's tempting to want to be the person that's sort of the, the shining star, mm -hmm. um, and we don't always recognize how important humility is in, in teamwork. Well, and, and we see it all the time. I mean, I work with, with all sorts of teams, um, not just in Questrom, but, but across BU and, you know, and, and, and beyond. And, and when you've got a group where the there's an individual that's like i'm going to make this a great team uh, the first step is to get that person to realize they got they got to cool it down a bit you know and and you know the the idea that often happens where someone just kind of says well you know yeah these people did all this work but they did it wrong i'm going to do it over and do it right you know that that kind of mentality is a, is a big red flag and and it, it's it's you you can always see it in somebody else What's important is when you see it in yourself. I, I think people often think about team development as we're going to build the group or I'm going to fix you, right? The other person is the one that needs to get fixed. They got to change their behaviors. But really good teamwork is about changing yourself. Um, it's about really thinking about what skills are you bringing in um, and, and how do you uh, how do you know when to, to engage, when to ease up, uh, how to coordinate that. And, and how to draw out the best in other people. I want to go back to something that you said earlier about creating these shared rules of engagement uh, for the team. And earlier this week, Alexandra and I were at an event uh, that you were speaking at, and you were also talking about the importance of having shared goals mm. for a team. And I think sometimes that can get a little bit tricky in the doctoral education space because as a student, 
you have your own particular priorities and goals and research you want to do, and yet you're sort of nested in these different structures. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if you could just speak a little bit to this, this issue of trying to navigate this interplay of your own individual priorities and then these other priorities that you're coming into contact with in the program. Um, a clarity of goals is important and to really be open with each other. And, and if, if you're working with someone who's not very open about what their goals are, then for you and your own you know, sanity, try to really think through, hey, is this person's primary goal definitely to you know, move me on, get my paper published and get my name out there and get my research advanced? You know, or is the work that I'm doing right here part of their project or the school's initiative or it's part to fulfill a grant or there's, you know, there's all sorts of other things. And, and it's, none of those are bad. I've worked on projects where um, I'm working on a team and there's multiple individuals from different disciplines with a different kind of set responsibility and goals within that, um, that we're going to work at cross purposes in some ways. And some of that conflict, is, that tension is a good thing because it pushes us to really think more deeply about our own perspectives and values and ideas. But you also want to be clear about well, what's the overall project that we're working on? Like, what are we working towards? Um, and I think those kinds of discussions and being open to those discussions, uh, again, is part of how do you cultivate that culture where folks are really listening to each other and, and engaging each other. And, and, and again, not everyone's going to be open to that or even self-aware enough to know that they have an agenda that they're pushing. You know, some people really aren't. And that's fine, too. That's where they are, right? It's their growth. It's not yours. you got to worry about yours. Um, and so really thinking about that clarity of goals is, is, is key. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And oftentimes doctoral students do sort of just jump to assumptions as to why uh, something is, is happening a certain way or, or how they're supposed to be interacting with their advisor. What would you say are some ways that they might start a conversation to clarify assumptions when it's not clear, you know, how often mm. am I supposed to meet with my advisor? What's my role within this particular lab? Mm. I, I, I think that uh, really as simple as just asking, um, asking your advisor, asking whoever's running the lab, asking, you know, being really open and, and, and transparent. Again, one of the issues that, a, a phrase that I've heard so much in, in, in doctoral programs that I think is, is just the absolute worst advice ever is fake it till you make it. And I've heard that so many times because, oh, you just gotta fake it till you make it. You just gotta, absolutely not. Um, because then, then you end up, you're a fake in the end, right? And, and, and then you have that like, oh my God, the imposter syndrome sets in. Ask the question. Right. And, and clarify and and try to get a sense of what it is that your advisor, you know, or the folks that you're working with, where they're coming from and what they expect of you, because there's a lot of assumptions they're making about you and a lot of assumptions you're making about them. It's all about how do you negotiate that relationship um, and build that relationship. And that's and that's the key thing is how do you build those relationships? Um, and I think, honestly, that skill is far more important than any of the research that you're doing. Your research is going to give you a good academic foundation to get you started, but what's going to get you through the day, every day, is your ability to negotiate with people, your ability to interact with people, your ability to clarify your objectives and really communicate well and, and have those conversations, whether it's other people in your department 
whether it's your employees, whether it's, you know, graduate students that are now turning to you, you know, whatever it is, those things are the things that you're going to need to really do every day and, you know, in and out. Not necessarily your research is, is going to be the key thing for your entire career. You'll always work with people. You'll always work with people. Your research will change and evolve. Yeah, that's such great advice. Uh, I want to just go back to a dynamic that you mentioned earlier, and that is the dynamic of writing papers mm. with other people, because I think that's probably one of the most common team structures that doctoral students are often participating in is writing with other students or with faculty. And I think that particular dynamic can sometimes present challenges in terms of thinking about uh, issues of authorship mm. and work distribution and even stylistic preferences. How is the paper going to sound? Uh, so do you have any thoughts about how teams might approach this task effectively? Yeah, I, I, I think the first thing I would say is um, the times that I have co-authored papers, you know, that I've been thankful to, to work with people who really had kind of a similar mindset and we were, you know, really excited and engaged about it and, and didn't run into a lot of crises around it. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, the, uh, but I think that with, with any kind of team project like this or collaboration like this, again, it's about clarifying expectations going in. You know, depending on, it, there's such a variance of, uh, uh, of, of situations that could come into it. You know, are you, are you all kind of peers? Are you, you writing one with, with an advisor or a colleague from another university? Again, going back to that idea of being clear about what, on a team, what are you going to contribute? What are you bringing? Um, and it, it, those kind of things, those conversations, which can happen over a cup of coffee or a beer or a whatever, it, it, you don't have to spend weeks trying to discuss that. You can have that kind of, and sketch it out, write it down. So you can refer back to it. Um, the other key thing I, I think that often runs into challenges are, are timelines. You know, and I talk to folks who, who have co-authored books. You know, timelines seem to be the big issue of, you know, when folks get things in and 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 back and forth to each other and those revisions. And I think again, being really transparent and honest with, you know, you've you've got a series of, you know, you've got weddings. You've got your kids are gonna you know, be done with school and home for the summer, which means you're not going to write as much because you, you're you're on childcare duty, you know, or whatever it is that that's going on in your life. Being open and honest and transparent with that. Again, we, we like to be really type A, hard work, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you 110% effort all the time. And that's just not realistic. Um, being realistic with each other is important. You know, switching gears just a little bit. People are getting their PhD because mm -hmm. they eventually would like to get a job. And that's obviously a big part of the reason why we're even having this yeah, conversation. Yeah. Um, Employment's good. <laughs> Employment is good. essential. Um, <laughs> so how might a doctoral student who is looking for a job highlight their teaming mm. abilities and skills that they've picked up or that they just have when they are applying for jobs? Mm. You know, I think there's, again, lots of different ways. I think the, the way to highlight it is to, I think, really ask yourself when you're looking at your CV, when you're thinking about your experience, when you're thinking about your interviews, what are you going to say? What, what experiences do you have? If all of your work really is just you alone in a lab, in a library, in the archives, in wherever, then it, it doesn't matter what you're going to say in your interview or put on your CV, you don't have the experience yet. So you have to go get the experience. You need to go out and find some. Go do something. Go go 
you know, you know, volunteer at a soup kitchen and really get involved in the organization of it and the distribution of, of resources and, and managing volunteers. Go, go on an outward bound course, you know, go do, go do, go play softball. I don't know, whatever it is, man. But, but, but really get, get some experience where you can really speak to uh, having a team perspective that moves you beyond just being your research. Um, there's not always a lot of focus on, on how are we collaborating with others, you know, but it might be, hey, let's put on a graduate student conference and, and I wanna really focus on how I get the most out of everybody around me and really think about how do I manage this team or serve well on this team, right? There's, there's ways that you can approach the work that you're doing and, and from a teaming perspective, from a collaboration perspective. Um, and and again, if you're focusing on that, and it doesn't have to be a, your whole focus. You got a dissertation to finish, right? But but if you're if you're spending some time on that, then the way that you market yourself, talk about yourself, talk about highlighting those team skills, becomes self-evident. Oh, and by the way, you also get better at what you're doing, right? And and you become more than just your dissertation. Um, and that's why it's important to realize that we're still human. Like we we're still developing ourselves as people. Um, and that team development is part of that. That's so helpful. And on that note, uh, any final pieces of advice or thoughts that you have for doctoral students as they try to work more effectively on teams and sort of further their own development as a team member? Mm. Um, I think really that, that piece of, of thinking about, it, it's really easy to get hyper competitive and hyper focused and not realize the the magic that we get in higher ed of of if we look at how the, everyone around you is is the world's expert right at whatever little narrow area of of academic expertise that's pretty cool right that doesn't happen a lot in life um and and if we look at what are cool ways that we can learn about their perspectives not as a way to be affirmed in why mine's right Right. Let me talk to you long enough to know all the holes in your argument, because, again, part of being an academic is being critical. Right. But and that's a good thing. Um, but we often extend that too far and, and we're too critical of individuals beyond just thinking about, you know, critically reviewing you know, academic works. And and we lose sight of the magic and the opportunity that the people around us can offer. Um, we lose sight of the, the real diversity that's here, the diverse perspectives and ideas and, and um, things that challenge the status quo um, and, and challenge our preconceived notions about our own field. That's why interdisciplinary work is so important. That's why being in a place like BU is so important, right? You know, get out of your silo and, and go interact with somebody whose approach to everything that, that, you know, structures reality is different from yours. It's awesome, right? It, for no other reason than it, it opens your mind to that. And, and when you, you kind of think about interactions like that, again, the team skills just follow because um, then you're, you're aligned more effectively with what you're trying to do. Yeah, that's such great advice. Thank you so much for being on our podcast hey, today. Hey, you're <laughs> welcome. I'm super happy to be here. I hope I was helpful. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Vitamin PhD, Navigating Team Dynamics featuring Hutch Hutchinson. To get the latest episodes of Vitamin PhD, be sure to follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also connect with us on Twitter at PhD. 
Learn more about our team and send us your feedback by visiting our website, bu.edu slash vitamin PhD. See you next time.